Hi there. Welcome to the Oh My God podcast with Zelda Volkov. My name is Rachel, and I'm honored to be the producer of this show. Thank you for listening. On this week's episode, Zelda interviews Vadim Tovshtyan. Vadim is a principal in the consulting services practice of Ernest & Young LLP, known as EY. He's a regulatory reporting solutions leader and has been leading large-scale strategic projects in finance, lines of business, internal audit, and regulatory reporting for close to 20 years. Originally from Odessa, Ukraine, Vadim came to the United States as a young boy hoping for a better life. He went from poor to profit and now is a leader in his field and a leader among leaders. Now, over to Zelda. Hello. Hello, Dima. Uh, thank you so much for joining this podcast. Uh, it's such an honor and pleasure to have you. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are, where you come from, and what you do? Excellent. Uh, Zelda, first of all, thank you for inviting me. I'm, uh, I'm honored. Uh, I'm also extremely proud for everything that you've done. Uh, you know, I've seen you grow up. Uh, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but I've seen you grow up from, from a little girl that was always very curious, uh, quiet but, but curious, and you grew up into this uh, role model for many, um, coach and inspirational leader for your community. So um, I'm glad to be here. And uh, Thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate it. Hey, so let me tell you a little bit about myself. What I was able to accomplish, I think it has to do a lot with my upbringing and kind of where I came from. So I was born in Odessa, Ukraine, um, to middle-class family. Uh, although for Odessa standards, it was middle-class family, but when I'm looking back, I think we, I think we, pre we were pretty poor. Uh, both of my parents were highly educated, both engineers, came to United States with uh, my brother and my, 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 my parents, um, when I was 16 years old. In Odessa, brother and, my brother and I, we, we became uh, observant and, uh, and religious uh, through Chabad and started observing Sabbath, observing kosher. So when we left Ukraine, we knew that we wanted to go and learn more about Jewish um, tradition and really go to Jewish school. So when we came to Crown Heights as a refugee, and refugee means that you come in and you really have to start from the beginning. So although United States was extremely um, kind to us and gave us a lot of opportunities, but you really start from the beginning. We, we lived in one bedroom apartment. My parents were trying to learn English, but I think at that point it was very difficult for them and they were just doing anything they can for, my, for me and my brother to have the best opportunities possible. My mom, my mom worked as a babysitter. My father worked as a delivery guy in a store. And me and my brother, we went to school. Uh, I couldn't really ask a lot from my parents because they didn't have much. So I, the moment I came to America, I was working all kind of odd jobs. How old were you? I was 16 years old. Uh, I remember when I came, uh, I saw people have beepers. And I was, wow, this is so cool. First of all, it was cool just to have a beeper. Secondly, I said, you know what, if I have a beeper and I could, and people could connect to me, I believe I, I'll have more opportunities. And it was true. 
The moment I got a beeper, even though I was in school, but somebody would beep me and say, hey, I need you to help me move something. I said, okay, no problem. I charge whatever, an hour, it was nothing, but I, but I just needed some money. So I would, I would jump out of school, go and work a few hours. The moment I came to America, all the way till I went to college, I was working in, uh, I was moving, I was working in, 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 in a uh, little bit construction. I was doing, uh, during the Jewish holidays, I was helping make Purim baskets, all kind of things. When you came here, that, that's, all, that's all you knew and you were very proud to make a little money. But now that I have kids, like I can't imagine my kids do this. I have a beautiful wife. I have three kids. Got married when I was 20. Uh, and we've been married for almost 23 years. Wow. Do you feel like that, that hustle mentality that you had as a child, those muscles that you exercised for, for that hustle, you know, do you think that that served you, served you well in, in your place today? Uh, the only thing I had is I had, I, I had an idea, I had a goal in mind that I had to accomplish, and then every, nothing could have, you know, I could, I could get my head self, uh, hands dirty, I could do whatever, just to make sure that I'm able to kind of get to the next step. Even in Odessa, when I was a teenager, I was doing all kinds of things. Some, some I'm proud of, some I'm not so proud of. But when I'm looking at my life, and, and I think the personal events, they, they led me to what I am today. You know, uh, I, I, I don't, one of the things that, and I, I was lucky a lot of times, but one of the things that, um, and one of my principles is, I, I don't, it doesn't take me a long time to make a decision. I'm not scared about making decisions. Uh, you know, I'm not scared of making mistakes. You know, I got married very young. I, I bought a house, several houses probably before age of 26. Uh, and a lot of decisions that I kind of I threw out, either it's business decision or personal decision. I, I make the best decision, I make decision based on the best information I have. And I'm okay of making changes throughout my life. life. So, it's, 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 that's kind of, a, that's my approach. That's a really huge fundamental success principle of like taking action and then, you know, rerouting if, if, um, if it's necessary, but like inaction is always the worst. That's, that's amazing. In, in this indecisiveness is, is the number one factor why people do not move forward. Because if you do not make decision, you don't make step forward or step back. You stay in one place. If you make a decision and you make, and, you, and you're active, when you're active and you and you warmed up, you make a step back. Then you make 14 step forward. Then you make five steps back. But you know it's it's like it's like an exercise. Your your, your mind is a muscle. You know at the beginning it's hard to walk, but when you start running, you could you could go to Brooklyn Bridge and back, and and uh, wouldn't even see the difference. It's crazy. It's like you just have to exercise. You just have to. It's just a matter of training, training ourselves. And I feel like people who don't take action kind of take themselves too seriously. Like every action is too big of a deal and they're, you know, they're too, too consumed with worry. So yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I think action is huge. So tell me about the most fascinating part for me, especially, you know, you coming from, um, from Russia, refugee, gaining so much success in your career, um, you know, the position that you are at EY. 
tell us a little bit about that journey. Looking back and looking at, at small details throughout my journey, those small details were challenge, challenges throughout those journeys that made me probably stronger as an as a, as a individual, as a professional, uh, as a human being. Now, when I look back overall, kind of big picture, I remember a lot of fun and exciting memories. However, a lot of steps in my journey could have gone either way. And I think it definitely contributed a lot to, you know, just my positive outlook in life and, uh, uh, you know, just ability to just kind of focus on your goal and go forward. So in Russia, I went to like a special math school and I had, I had a good foundation, but when I came here and I came and I went to the last, last two grades in, in high school, I went to Lubavitch Yeshiva. I don't remember really learning much because it was not, uh, as you know, the education was not uh, very strong, but whatever I guess I, I got earlier in my life was sufficient enough. So then after, after I finished the, uh, the Chabad school, the Babish school, um, I applied to, actually I wanted to go continue to be, to be uh, um, potentially rabbi, but I, I wasn't sure if this is for me, but I thought, you know what, maybe I should go continue my Jewish education. So I applied to one school and they said that I'm, uh, they're not sure if I'm ready for that school. So I said, you know what, if, it's, if I'm not ready, I'm okay with this, then I'm gonna go pursue uh, secular education. Uh, and you know what, once again, this is something that I was a little bit disappointed because I was very inspired and I wanted to do, uh, continue to learn uh, doing Jewish education. So I said, the best place to kind of learn both is to go to Yeshiva University. It's a school, it's a good school uh, in, in, in Washington Heights. I applied to Yeshiva University, I had to take SAT. Remember, at that time, I'm only two years in this country and although my math skills are, are good, but my English is still kind of uh, requires some, uh, some adjustment. So I took SAT and, and I did well in, in, on, on math, but I did not do well in English. Got, got a letter from Yeshiva University that, uh, um, that I'm not accepted, wow. which was devastating as well. So I said, I'm not good enough to be a rabbi. I'm not good enough to be a business person. Wow. So then I kind of stepped back and I said, listen, this is easy. I, I, call, I, I called the admissions office and I said, I'd like to talk to the admissions dean. I said, okay, come over. So I, I, I go to Washington Heights, I go to admissions dean and I, say, and I said, you know, I know I did not get, get accepted and, uh, and based on the standards, I should not. However, I'd like, I'd, I would like to give me a chance. He looked at me kind of in a funny way because this, I guess it's never happened before. And, and his response was, are you sure you want to get it? I could give you a chance, but waste the money and then you're not going to be, be successful. So I said, yes, I'm sure. So he accepted me to Yeshiva University as a conditional acceptance where I could only take 12 credits and I had to demonstrate that I could get B.O. plus average. Wow. I never looked back. I graduated from Yeshiva University with uh, a 3.7 GPA and I did very well. Kind of, a, this was the one challenge that I look back and it's, if I wouldn't call back and, and, I, and I, if I would not knock on a door, the door would never get open. So right. I think I, I learned from this, you got, you, you got to knock the doors out. Yeah, if you would just accept it that that's your fate, you wouldn't yeah. live for life. Exactly, exactly. So, so I, I kind of, that, that was one. Then the second one is I got an internship in Merrill Lynch and I was working from somebody 
during the summer, they were paying me and I was learning banking because that's what I, I always knew that I want to be in banking. So after a few months, this person found somebody that wanted to do this for free. And he called me and said, you know what, although I'm paying you like $6 an hour, I got somebody that's going to go for free. So you're no longer going to be working. And I, and I, I learned during that time, I said to myself, everyone is replaceable. There's always going to be somebody that's going to want to do your job, either for nothing or for less. So, you know, it was not, it was not easy. But then during the issue University, we had a very strong on-campus on recruitment program. So different companies started to go and come to Yeshiva University to interview us. And one of the companies was Federal Reserve. Federal Reserve is a central bank. And I, when I was in college and I was learning business, I said to myself at the beginning, I want to work for Central Bank because this is where I could learn everything about banking. I, I interviewed Federal Reserve and uh, it's another story which honestly, I remember I was devastated. And just keep in mind, by that time I was already married. I interviewed for Federal Reserve, I get a call. Uh, dear so-and-so, we would like to extend you an offer to work full-time for Federal Reserve. I said, that's awesome. This is exactly what I wanted. This was my dream. Wow. Five minutes later, I get a call from the same person and said, we're so sorry. You were second person that we wanted to offer. I, I'm, I work for HR. And when I got the list, you were the second person. But we, I was supposed to call the first person first. If he declines, I will then have to call you. Wow. Oh, my goodness. And I, and I, yeah, and I'm married. I remember I go to my wife first. Like, I, I go and we, have a, we do a happy dance. We're all so excited uh, that I, I, I have a real job because when I got married, I, we didn't have enough money because I was in college. I was we were living with my parents. I'm doing a, we're doing a happy dance while we're doing the happy dance. Phone, phone rings and then we do a sad dance. So, <laughs> uh, so, so I'm sitting there and I said, this is impossible. The HR person said, you know, we'll call you back in a few days. So the next, the next couple of days, I'm just continuing going through my interview process. Maybe I was not a good interview. Maybe I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I, had a, I still have a folder of about 100 rejections. And all of those rejections, it says, you're very qualified. However, at this time, we would like to pursue with someone else. And I remember I was telling my wife, I said, and for somehow, because I'm a positive person, I don't care how many no's I get. All I need is one yes. Wow. Because like, who cares that I get rejected 100 times? I get a call back from two days later from Federal Reserve and saying that that person decided to go somewhere else and we would like to ex extend you an offer. I said, and I remember like it was yesterday to this HR person, I will not accept this offer until, until I get a phone call from your supervisor telling me that I get an offer. Because wow. at that point, I just didn't, I did not want a happy dance. I was just said, you know what? Uh, funny thing, what happened is when I got my yes, three days later, I got four more yeses. Wow. It just, now, they call this uh, the, the light at the, at the end of the tunnel, lucky street, whatever you want to call it. But I guess success breeds success. Yeah, so that, when we hold on to the negative energy, the rejection, it connects to more negativity. And once you release that and you have positivity, but that's so fascinating. You still got that job, but how was your job through, well, through the year? Overall, I think I had an extremely good experience at Federal Reserve. I, uh, I thought I'm going to be there for three, four years and then I'm going to leave. But I had a tremendous career. Every year or two, I was doing something else. I was growing. 
I think I, I, I think one of the biggest things that happened during Federal Reserve is building the internal and external relationships. And I think kind of one of my principles is is whatever you do, whatever your schedule is, on a weekly basis, you need to connect with one person internally, make sure you understand what this person does. When I say internally, it's within the organization and one person externally understand kind of how you impact the organization. I was very successful in my Federal Reserve career. I was not planning to leave Federal Reserve. I was growing a big team. I had great friends. I had mentor. I, I had a person that early enough in my career took me under her wing and she was personally responsible in her mind that she wanted me to succeed. Now that I'm a leader and I have people that work for me is I always try to find those people that I would like to help and I'd like to help them kind of progress. So as I said to myself, I'm only going to stay here another two years if I achieve A, B, and C. If not, I'm, I'm going to do experience something else. Every two years, I would meet my goal and I would set my new goals and I would achieve them again. So wow. to make a long story short, I stayed there for 15 and a half years. Wow. And I was not really uh, planning to live until I was reached out by EY and they said, you know, we've heard about you. We, 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 would, we would like to kind of, your skill set, your experience, I think you could, you could do very similar work that you do right now, but you could build a business. So the difference, I guess, between kind of what EY does versus Federal Reserve is, at the Federal Reserve, my job was to supervise and assess the soundness of the banking industry. At the Federal Reserve, I help banks to comply and make sure that they're well sound and secure and, and they follow the rules. So kind of, uh, I switched the sides and now I, I do somewhat very similar. However, now instead of telling banks what to do, I help them solve their problems. Well, you're a partner. I, I joined EY as an executive right away. And then a couple of years later, I, was, uh, I became a partner, you know, in, in this tremendous company. It's a global organization of 250 thousand people with great values. If people work at EY, best in class, people that went to great schools, have awesome GPAs, have great experiences. And it's just a very, very diverse, inclusive organization that works with various uh, clients to, to help them achieve their goals. It's, I'm, I'm, I'm extremely blessed. Yeah. Your story is so inspiring. It's truly a story of, you know, perseverance and ambition and really coming from the bottom all the way up, it's really extremely, extremely fascinating. What are like the top two, three actionable techniques of the listeners, wherever they may be in their life right now, whether it's somewhere, you know, in a really low position or all the way up to executive, what could you leave them with, you know, that they can implement right away? It's a, it's a very good question. Obviously, number one is you have to have integrity. You know, whenever decisions you make, Whatever, whatever actions you take, they have to, they have to you, you know, you, you have to have the best, whether it's your client, you have to have the best uh, uh, of your client in mind. You have to make sure that you don't hurt people. So integrity and kind of be, being, uh, just being a nice person, I think it's very, it's, it's very important. Throughout my career, if I could help my peer, I would help my peer. And, and, and by the way, I see, I see through, you know, I've seen people and I've seen people where my peer, when I needed help, they felt that I'm their competition and they would not give me their help. Right. Just having that integrity, being a nice person, I would say this is number one. I, th I think number two is building relationships. 
building those relationships because later on, later on in life, they will become your clients. Later on in life, when you stuck, they will become your peers. Later on in life, they will be one working for you and because you have a relationship with them, they will do more for you than anyone else does. So building those, and not just relationship, hey, uh, my name, uh, I'd like to meet you, you're, you're, you're a good person. When you build a relationship, figure out what can you do to enrich their uh, professional growth. Wow. Every time when people call me and they want to introduce themselves, I said, I always say, tell me what, first of all, tell me what I can do for you, but tell me what you bring to the table. Because if you just tell me that this is my background, this is what I do, I'm going to forget you because I meet with a lot of people. So building that relationship is number two. It's very important. Uh, for, uh, uh, I think prioritization is very important. You know, I always say, don't try to uh, boil the ocean, try to chip at the rock, small, uh, because you will, never, you will never boil the ocean, you will never, you, you will, you're not gonna be able to figure out kind of how, proceed, how to proceed. And, and by the way, what happens, and I have people, you just get frustrated. You're trying to achieve everything, and you just can't. Uh, um, you can't. You, you you can't get there. Right. I've uh, also touched upon the fact that you always had like a good sense of awareness and clarity around your goals and what you were trying to achieve, rather than just trying yeah. to win. I think that's also very very clever and important. And and, and, and by the way, when you know, I, I, when I was younger, I set a lot of kind of unrealistic goals, and. Uh, and if I got halfway there, I was happy. I think I still do, do this at times. But right now, as you, as you progress in your career, I think you want to start setting those goals very realistic. And more, more importantly, you, you, you want to set goals that you could measure against. Because when I was younger, I didn't achieve it. I achieved halfway there. I have the new, new goal in mind. Right now, I have to step back and I have to learn from my mistakes. I have to measure what worked. I have to measure what didn't work and then adjust going forward. Because now when I set my goals, I'm being accountable for my goals as a business leader. The moment you become more responsible for others, your goals have to be very smart and measurable and stuff like that. Right. And then, and then the, the last two things, this is always a challenge for me. And I think it's probably a challenge for you as well. Be a good listener. Because what I, what I realized by listening, what people, what people go through, you realize, because you know, people are the blood in, your, in the veins of your business, you, you, you learn where things work, where it doesn't. And then, and then last, lastly is try to learn. So the interesting thing in my career, and this is advice to your young listeners, it, you know, when you're in college, obviously all you do is learn. The first 20 years of your career, you have enough time to really learn and develop your toolbox. When you get to 30 to 40, you become, you, 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 you have a lot of responsibilities and you already have to take your toolbox and apply to certain specific item or your fastball. And then when you get further away, it's so much more difficult to learn, but you still have to continue learning. So my, my suggestion is, or my guiding principle is, try to learn early. Try to learn a lot as much as you can, but then as you continue with your growth, dedicate hour a week and try to learn something new. So I think that that's something that's always always helped me a lot. I love, I love that learning something new is truly 
the only way we we could progress or else we stay we stay doing what we're doing and that always doesn't work so i think that's i love that i definitely will implement that i think we, you gave a lot to our listeners we have so much here so much to for them to listen and to unpack i think it's it's some really really quality content thank you so much for doing this with us i'm so hey. it's a have you hey Zelda, th thank you for thank you for having me Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode of Oh My God with Zelda Volko. We hope you enjoyed it. If you did, please make sure to leave a review, share it with your friends, and subscribe so that you don't miss next week's episode. Tune in next week for another interview with another badass boss.